The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, your CFO. Maybe you are the CFO of your company, then I'm talking directly to you. If not, we're talking about him or her in the Office of Finance. So let's get started. With the pace of business accelerating, you know it is. You can't deny it. You need your CFO to be a proactive high performer, not a perpetually catching up follower or, excuse the thought, a passive laggard. That's not the kind of CFO you need at the head of your finance office. What is the difference? Well, let's make it very, very simple. The high-performing CFO leverages innovative technologies, as you heard in the opening of this show, and processes to strategically guide the organization's sales and investment decisions toward profitable growth. They're part of the decision-making process. They're not just crunching numbers. They're saying something about what they see in those numbers. They analyze. They monitor. They share performance results in new real-time, and they know what they're talking about. So we're talking about innovative technologies and innovative Innovative processes, none of that old stuff. Now, what about the other side, the passive CEO, the not always caught up, never quite up to speed CFO? They're not doing it so much, and perhaps, sadly, not at all. So if, perchance, your CFO is in the latter group, they're sitting there saying, what's going on here? Oh, new technology, too hard to learn, too expensive, too difficult to train my people. It's time for you to put the moves on and empower them to move ahead. We have a panel of three experts who are going to help us figure out how to get that done, and maybe more important, why it's so important. First up, I'm pleased to welcome a newcomer to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. He is Bill Fusler, F-U-E-S-S-L-E-R, if you want to look him up. He is the Global Finance Risk and Fraud Leader for Global Business Services for IBM. And Bill sent me the following quote from John F. Kennedy. Those of you looking back in time, uh, he was the 35th President of the U.S. and he served from only 61 to 63. That's 1961 to 63. I do remember it well. Here's the quote. In the past, those who foolishly sought power by riding the back of the tiger ended up inside. Bill, should we add the word gulp at the end of that quote? How are you, Bill Fusler? Very good. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Right. So JFK, obviously, he had a different intention here, but I think how it applies here to our audience is the fact that the CFOs who, who essentially are sitting back and not making the changes, as you described, whether it's process technology, uh, insights and not providing the insights to the corporations, those are the ones who are really going to be wind up inside the tiger. So you've got to stay in front of the game, uh, be proactive, and those are the ones who are going to be successful. Okay, Bill, tell me something. Is there any 
description, demographic description uh, <laughs> on who these CFOs are who are reluctant to embrace technology or they say they're too busy or they're pushing too many papers and too many spreadsheets around and too many, I don't know, digital folders or file cabinets to do it and they're just not up to speed. Are these the longtime CFOs? Are these some of the newcomers? Who are these people who are not getting with the game, Bill? Yeah, I wouldn't say that the demographic. What I would say is this, the CFOs who are caught in, in the path are the ones who are still dealing with getting their finance efficiency up to speed. So it's getting the common processes, making sure they're running on a single ledger, making sure they have common definitions for the data, making sure the chart of accounts are really uh, consolidated. So, so what they're doing is spending more time just trying to get their, what I call their house in order, and therefore they can't go out there and do the true business insight that's necessary. So that's the ones. It's not so much a demographic. It's those who are really behind the eight ball in terms of their finance efficiency. The ability not to focus on insight because they're too preoccupied with just trying to get their processes, their, their technologies in order. Well, Bill, I hope by the time the end of the show comes, you and our other two esteemed panelists will help motivate them to get their house in order and move forward. So thank you, Bill. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you very much. And a shout out to your colleagues at IBM. Always appreciate their participation. And let's bring up our second panelist. He's a returning guest. It's Nick Castellina, Research Director for the Aberdeen Group's Business Planning and Execution Practice. And Nick sent me a really good quote from Jack Welch. Those of you trying to remember well, well, is the retired American business executive, author, chemical engineer, and most famously the chairman and CEO of General Electric, Electric from 1981 to 2001. Long history there. And here's the quote. An organization's ability to learn and translate that learning into action rapidly is the ultimate competitive advantage. Nick Castellina, how are you? Good. How are you today? Well, thanks for joining me. It's been a while since you've been on, I think you were on Financial Excellence before, so we have 16 series now. I don't know if you know that, under the Game Changers umbrella, but we're delighted to have you. So talk to me. Interesting quote from Jack Welch. How does it apply to our topic, Nick? Sure. So the reason I chose that quote is because it's really all about the role that finance is now taking within organizations. It's always been an extremely important role within organizations of all types, and I think those within the finance role know that. But I think now in today's day and age, the rest of the organization is starting to realize just how finance can be a valuable source for decision-making. And you can learn a lot of things by taking a look at your financial data as an organization that will really allow you to improve and add to the bottom line. So um, really, it's all about the role that finance should play today. Nick, do you agree with what Bill Fusler said about getting your house in order, being preoccupied, the ones who are not, not doing what you say? And do you think it's a question of not understanding what it takes to be efficient? Uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's, it's that. I think it's more playing from behind, as, as you stated in your original question. These are a lot of things that organizations want to be able to do today. You know, to put these tools in place, it costs money. It costs mm-hmm. you know, time and effort. Uh, to make those organizational changes. And when you're playing from behind, you just can't do that. So um, you need an ability in the meantime to figure out ways to complete your financial processes more efficiently, uh, as well as provide that data to key decision makers when they need it, um, any way that you can do that. And, And eventually that your technology will be able to further those goals. 
Thank you very much, Nick. Appreciate your being back. And let's bring on our third panelist, also a returning guest. It's Neil Krefsky from SAP, and he's responsible for the development and execution of the product marketing strategy for SAP's financial line of business solutions. That's a very big title, Neil. We used to say that'd be a very long business card, but I don't know. I, I don't. I gave up business cards years ago. Just tell people who I am and send them to what Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever people can find you digitally. Here's an interesting quote Neil picked from Wayne Gretzky. Those of you scratching your head on this one, if you weren't already on Jack Welch, Wayne Gretzky, original name Wayne Douglas Gretzky, is a Canadian professional ice hockey player and former head coach. He played 20 seasons, that's a lot, in the National Hockey League for four teams, and he spanned 20 years from 1979 to 1999, way back in the last millennium. Neil Krefsky, how are you today? Good. Thanks, Bonnie, for having me back. Good. I'm going to read the quote now. I got so excited about the history of Wayne Gretzky, I forgot to read the quote. So here it is. A good hockey player plays where the puck is. A great hockey player plays where the puck is going to be. Now, Neil, how does this relate to our CFO, high performer versus, hmm, not so much? Yeah, you know, and I wouldn't even call it the not so much as, you know, if you look at the quote, you know, and, and they talk about good hockey players, and the difference between a good hockey player and a superstar, and you know, a little more background on Wayne Gretzky, he's basically the Michael Jordan, LeBron James of, of the history of hockey. And there's a lot of very good CFOs out there who do have their house in order in terms of producing accurate results, you know, taking care of closing, uh, you know, making sure their, their reports are in compliance. And yeah, I would say for the most part, uh, for most uh, well-known companies, the CFOs have a handle on that. However, you know, there's been a long debate on you know, does the CFO need to become more strategic? And I would argue that debate's over. That, that, that is mm-hmm. the, the expectation of, of the role. And really, the difference between the good CFOs and the outstanding performers that are really taking their companies to the next level, not just reporting or compliance, but really having effect on the bottom line and in the board are the ones that could kind of see where the company needs to go and what I need to do there as opposed to just living in the now or making expectations based on past results. Thank you, Neil. I'm going to ask you a question similar to, I think I asked Bill Fusler a few minutes ago. Is this a, a generational thing? If a CFO has been around for a long, long time, they were not asked to be part of strategic decision-making. Were they, Neil? That wasn't in the job description a long time ago. Talk to me. I, I would agree with that in that, you know, first and foremost, it was, you know, about having the books in order and then... Mm-hmm. In about 15 years to 10 years ago, with a lot of the compliance issues, we all remember uh, the Enrons and, and things uh, that came up there where compliance became top of mind, and it kind of pushed that strategic debate to a little bit of the back burner. And in the last five or six years, uh, it's no longer, it, the debate resurfaced to where I wouldn't even say it's a debate anymore. It is an mm-hmm. expectation. And the challenge is for CFOs today is not how do I or not do I need to add more value to the business beyond reporting and compliance, but how do I do it? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's no longer a question of if, it's a question of how. And that's really where you, the rubber meets the road between 
a good CFO who has their books and, and reporting and compliance in order, and a superstar CFO. Okay, it reminds me, taking us back to Nick Castellina's quote from Jack Welch about translating that learning into action rapidly. Get it done. Thank you. I'm going to turn back to Bill Fusler at IBM. And Bill, I have a very tough question for you, tougher than anything I've had so far. What are you drinking right now? What's in your cup today? Or what do you plan to drink after the show? Tell us a little story, Bill Fusler. Well, I, actually, I'll tell you a story about uh, a drink I had many years ago. So, um, I think we may have all had a similar situation. I was, um, it was a hot summer day, and I was out playing ball for a number of hours, and I, so I come home and I go to the refrigerator, and in there looks like a really fantastic uh, uh, tea, uh, iced tea. So I take about four or five gulps and realize pretty quickly that it was a bit spiked. And I was about 14 at the time, so you could quite imagine that uh, I slept very good that afternoon, I guess maybe from the sports, but also from, from uh, not checking to see what, uh, what my older brothers had put into that uh, iced tea. <laughs> Bill, so was that, that perchance, a, was that a Long Island iced tea, do you think? I think it was a Long Island iced tea, as a matter of fact. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll knock you back a couple, <laughs> 14 years old. Yeah, because I grew up in Queens, so it's pretty close to Long Island, so that was uh, pretty, pretty probable. Well, I think they drink it all over the world. By the way, where, do you, where are you now? Where are you calling from today? Actually, I'm calling from Long Island. So, <laughs> Where, where, where? From our office in Jericho. Okay, I'm in Great Neck. If I lean out the window of my office and wave to you, can you see me waving, Bill? I, I probably can. I'll have to look down Jericho Turnpike. Okay, well, yeah, look down a little farther. Okay, thank you very much. We're neighbors. Nick Castellina, where are you calling from as long as we're doing a little geo check-in here? And what's in your cup today? Or tell me a story, Nick. Yep, well, I'm in Boston, as I always am, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm a, a typical finance guy. I'm not that exciting when it comes to what's in my cup. Uh, you know, I was in a rush to get here into a nice, quiet room so everybody could hear me on the radio today, so I had to stop at fast food and, and get a, a Diet Coke with my... Uh, my uh, fast food hamburger for lunch. Uh, it's you know about one fifteen here in Boston, so nothing too exciting. But hopefully it'll keep me active and awake for the rest of the call. Well, you're doing great. You're on a great phone line, and I thank you. By the way, you have anything planned exciting for after the show other than uh, the hamburger and the diet coke? Are you putting uh, anything in the work. diet coke? <laughs> Typical things we do here. <laughs> I think if you ask Bill Fusler for his family's version of Long Island iced tea, he might tell you how to how to uh, do something a little fizzier to the coke. But it's probably going to be gone by then. Thank you very much. Just trying to make friends on the panel here, Neil Krefsky. How can I ask you to top both of those? Such interesting stories. Talk to me. Sure. Um, well, I'm a bit of a coffee snob. Um, so, like, I don't even like the, the big box stores, and typically I make my own espresso. And a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, um, I just had uh, something very original, and usually I, I'm a little suspect with the, the new concoctions of, of how they make espressos and lattes and things like that. But I was at a, a green market, a green farmer's market, where there's all kinds of local vendors, and there was a coffee vendor that did have high-grade beans, but mm-hmm. they had this drink called a shotgun. Don't get scared. There's no alcohol in it. <laughs> um, but it was a mix of you pick your own high-grade uh, bean, and they have different types of espresso, and they blend it with coconut oil and butter, of all things. And they always say everything's oh. better with butter, and that actually made coffee better. And you can have it hot or cold, and it didn't need any sugar. And let me tell you, it was pretty amazing. 
Wow. So give me the recipe again. Butter, coconut oil. I assume that you melt the coconut oil because it comes like a, uh, it looks a little bit like paraffin, like wax. And, uh, well, and you what put they it in- do is they have a uh, blender where they take the, the beans, so they make a very high-grade espresso. You pick out your mm-hmm. bean, they have all different types, different roasts, and then they put it in a special coffee blender the, the, when they pour the espresso with a little scoop of uh, farmer's uh, grass-fed um, butter. And actually, they just put in the coconut oil, and depending upon whether you have it cold or hot is kind of what it does to the coconut oil, but they have mm-hmm. a high-speed... Uh, blender, so I guess that really emulsifies all the ingredients uh, together, and it was, you know, pretty amazing. I've had it both hot and cold now. I've, I, I went back, and it was a hot day. I live in Florida, so the first time I had it, I had it warm, and then I had an iced one, and it was just as good. And you know, I wouldn't even add a sweetener. It was, it would uh, ruin it. Um, and and believe me, I'm a, a very picky. Uh, coffee snob. So uh, maybe people can go on the internet, search on. I'm already there. I'm already there. It'll come up, but it'll be interesting. Here's what what you get: How to make bulletproof coffee? The end of of something about fitness recipe: How to make bulletproof coffee. Number three from the Paleo Mama: I just put butter in my coffee. You can get a shotgun recipe on drink mix drinks mixer and coconut oil coffee blended, not stirred. That's the secret at SwansonVitamins.com. But I digress. It's all over the place. Just look up uh, shotgun coffee and see what comes up. Neil, thank you. You did top that. I think that's very interesting. <laughs> very. And, and Neil, you're in Florida today. Where? Uh, I live in actually what I call the real Hollywood. It's Hollywood, Florida, which is actually (laughs) in between uh, Fort Lauderdale and Miami. Okay, thank you very much. Good panel. Guess what? We're talking to Bill Fusler at IBM here on Long Island near me, Nick Castellina with Aberdeen Group up in Boston, and Neil Krefsky in the real Hollywood, which happens to be south of us in Florida. Our topic today, in case you haven't surmised, is how high-performing CFOs add business value or, turned around, add value to the business. We're going to be exploring what happens when the finance organization does get its house in order and moves past basic efficiency into becoming a strategic advisor to the business. We're going to kick off our roundtable right after the break with Bill Fusler from IBM. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Michael, out! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. SAP Simple Finance, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP 4HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP Simple Finance draws upon innovative in-memory, mobile, and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more at www.sap.com forward slash simple dash finance. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
comments, questions, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers. Welcome back, and we're speaking today about how high-performing CFOs add business value. Is yours doing it already? Well, stick around. You might learn something new. If not they're no, not doing it already, you want to see how we can help you move them in the right direction. Or go get them right now and tell them to listen. You're listening, by the way, to Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. It's June 8th, 2015. We are live. And this is Season 4, Episode 5, in case you're checking off those little notches on the belt there of this great series. So let's kick off our roundtable with Bill Fusler at IBM. And I'm looking at Bill's notes, and he says the best performance finance organizations, and he calls them performance accelerators, are moving beyond the standard performance insight and providing business insight around profitable growth initiatives. And Bill talks also about leveraging big data into new growth opportunities. Bill, why don't you expand, explain this for us, and then we'll have your co-panelists join us. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, One thing I just want to first start off with is I think uh, Neil brought the point about CFOs being much more strategic. So just to to highlight that, we had our CFO study recently, and we asked the CEO who's the one person in the organization in the C-suite that they turn to most often when they talk about business and strategic strategy. And uh, the number one person by far was the CFO. Hmm. Just, uh, again, showing how important that is to, to the organization and providing that business insight. So, you know, this is a great example. The reason why these performance accelerators are ahead of the game here is because they are looking at a big data for, for insights around the customer. In fact, we found that uh, these performance accelerators are more than 20% more likely to have a better understanding of the customer and 70% more likely to be looking at insights around new profitable growth initiatives. And let me give you two examples. It's probably the best mm-hmm. thing. So. These are real examples. I can't mention the client name, but uh, the first is a retailer that, through their analytics, discovered that there was a a certain minority that uh, would purchase an item at a greater volume than others, uh, than other groups. And they found out that this item was kept in the back of the store in in these neighborhoods. So what they did is they said, well, wait a minute, let's make it easy and and stock up these and put them in the front of the store so they can uh, obviously get more what people buying, buying this item, and they did that and, they, and had increased sales. So that's an example mm. for a retailer. We mm-hmm. also had an example of an insurance company that uh, used external data, so demographics and life event information, so where a person was in, in their life at, at the point in time, and they wanted to determine what's the next best action to drive new profitable growth. So they combined the two, so the financial demographics, the life events, and they found that they, they were able to grow uh, they able to grow sales by 20% to the current customers. So examples of, of taking big data, external data, and, and meshing it together to get better insights on, on current customers as well as potentially new customers. Very interesting. I like the case studies very much, and it's fine that you couldn't mention who they were. It's, it's actually better this way, being um, company agnostic, because it has a broader reach that way, I think. Bill, very, very interesting. Nick Castellino, what do you think about the, the examples that Bill gave, and do you have any of your own, or you want to expand in, in uh, from the Aberdeen Group's perspective, what do you think about what we're talking so far? 
Yeah, I mean, those were great examples, and I think they're very well in alignment with the things that we see from the end users that we survey, the, the software vendors that we talk to, and the community that we talk to. Um, really, the use of big data and advanced analytics allows you to do more with more data across the organization. So as he mentioned, we can uh, you know, measure the, the impact of initiatives or measure the impact of individual customers. But I think you can also do a lot of things like measure uh, the financial processes that you're performing on a day-to-day basis to help do things like shorten day sales outstanding, uh, take advantage of early payment discounts. This type of technology along with things like continuous process monitoring will enable you to have a more well-tuned financial machine uh, and maintain compliance, whether it's regulatory compliance, policy compliance, or whatever, to uh, drive down the, some of the costs of that financial department. So part of uh, being a, a well-performing CFO is putting your p- employees in a position to succeed. So utilizing this type of technology allows them to do that and be more effective and, and save your company money overall. Thank you. I think that's the goal. Make it and save it. Right, Nick? We want to make mm. the money and we want to save the expenses. We're, we're boosting up the bottom line and we're cutting down. We're, uh, yes, cost containment, they call it. Neil Krefsky, a lot on the table here. Thoughts on what your colleagues on the panel have said? Yeah, I mean, with the um, thought on, on big data and relating to the CFO and really goes back to kind of even Bill's comment of, of who the, the CEO looks to as their number one business advisor, and a lot of people would think they'd be surprised by the CFO. If you think of that in terms of big data, uh, at the end of the day, if you look at the CFO and finance function's core responsibility, it's reporting results of of the company's health, uh, overall financial health, and in order to do that, they get information and data from every aspect of the business. In in fact, accounting is just basically the summary of what everyone else is doing. So if you think of that in terms of big data, the CFO and and the finance function really is the number one place to go to get a full picture of the story, uh, whether you're looking to the future or seeing where you're at now in order to make decisions. And now with the advancements in big data, the CFO is really empowered. The tools are out there to empower them to take that strategic role to the next level where they can now consume all of this information and rather than just simply being the scorekeeper, they can be mm-hmm. the storyteller and, 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 and even more importantly, the fortune teller. Wow, instead of being the score, I, I want to tweet this, but I'm kind of busy right now, so I'm going to write this down. CFO, no longer just scorekeeper, can also be, can also be the storyteller. I like that. Bill Fusler, what do you think about that? Is Neil on the right track? And what about what Nick said? No, absolutely. I just want to kind of emphasize, because they both touched on something I think is very important. You know, could he talk about, finance, getting their uh, house in order. We've, we've all talked about that. But, you know, to provide the insight, you think about the, the typical finance processes. So you have order to cash, record to report, procure to pay. But, you know, think about, I have, we have a, a client that not only did they get their order to cash uh, process in, in, in shape, but they also then went to opportunity to order. So they went from opportunity to order to order to cash. So they basically had end-to-end process integration. So what does that mean? It meant this. So they were able to develop then some predictive modeling. When an opportunity came in, 
based on uh, the, the point in the life cycle it was in, they were able to say within two weeks into the quarter, uh, within, within 3%, what their signings were going to be for that quarter. Again, mm. because they had total, they had total uh, transparency right from opportunity right through to, to order to cash. So, again, it's an, it's an example of taking the processes, not only in finance, but going to, the, to and essentially the front end, and then to gain the insight that that gives you, and that is, well, how about taking that and putting some predictive modeling around when opportunities come in, what stage they are in, in, in the cycle, uh, wh- where the customer has been in the past, and then be able to predict whether or not what your signing is going to be and what your revenue is going to be for that quarter. So I think it's a great example and, and, and plays off what both Nick and Neil were saying. Thank you. Uh, Nick or Neil, any comments on what Bill just added before I move to some notes from Nick Castellina? Nick Bill, uh, and Neil? Uh, yeah, this is Nick. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe we will touch on it later, but I think one other benefit we didn't touch around uh, big data and analytics is the ability to, to touch on and, and utilize unstructured data, which has been really difficult to get, wrap your hands around in the past. Um, it's a whole new avenue for finance to, to utilize to make more decisions. So um, it's something to keep in mind as well. Thank you. We will get to that. Neil, anything you want to add before I move to Nick? You good? Uh, maybe just a point of clarity to yeah. um, the audience like, and when they're thinking, like, so what do they mean by big data? D- data has always been data. It's always been available. So why is this now this transformation uh, for the CFO? Why is everybody talking about big data and finance? And the reason is, yeah, the CFO always had to gather data and information from all aspects of the business, but only with like recent advancements in memory and in big data has it really made it feasible where uh, a finance function is not doing everything on spreadsheets and so relying on IT just to get the story and mm-hmm. in order to have, again, as Bill puts it, the house in order, just to get to that point has been you know, such an overwhelming task today with big data and in-memory advances, there are the tools available to the CFO's office to kind of take all of that overhead out of the data collection and really, instead of just simply putting together the books, being able to do things like the modeling and the, and the uh, kind of the, the quote to cash as opposed to just kind of producing sales results. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Neil. Anybody else? I heard somebody comment on Neil. Yeah, I think just an, another way to explain the impact of big data and how it can be utilized more effectively is just talking about the the you know three V's of big data: the volume, variety, and velocity of data. Mm-hmm. So um, when you're dealing with more data, it's coming in more quickly, uh, and it's uh, varied. It's very difficult for your finance department to make use of it. These tools uh, allow you to consume that data quickly. Thank you. That was Nick Castellina. Nick, I'm looking at your notes, and I don't think we mentioned at all or not much about the impact of cloud technology on finance. I'm looking here at the a couple of notes from you. You say, the hesitation that finance once had about cloud technology is gone. So they get it. They know it's there. They know it's accessible. And then you add, the benefits include improved access to real-time data. So, Nick, why don't you take us through this? We talked about big data. Now, let's talk about cloud technology. Is this something that CFOs should be embracing freely? Are there any security issues? Is this something that takes a big learning curve? Why don't you talk? 
Sure. Uh, so this is something that I think CFOs definitely should be embracing, and I think they are starting to or, or have already started to embrace cloud technology. You know, maybe five years ago, there was some hesitancy to share your financial data within a cloud environment. I think, you know, as uh, CFOs have become more sophisticated and understand that they're sharing their own personal financial data online, they're more comfortable with sharing their company data as well. And really, the software vendors that provide these these technologies, uh, their whole, you know, means of being in business is to provide that security. So that concern has definitely gone away. And I think there are a lot of unique benefits to the cloud uh, that make it attractive for financial organizations that are trying to transform and to be more collaborative and, and do a better job of providing accurate real-time data. You know, you can access these solutions no matter where you are as long as you have Internet access. Um, they're constantly updated. It's easy to share across an organization, and that really plays into the needs of uh, today's finance organization, and I think it's really a perfect pairing. Thank you very much. Is, is there, uh, let me go back to my generational or demographic question I posed to Bill Fuser in the beginning of the show. Nick, is this something that CEOs who've been around a long time, we'll just leave that open like that, mm-hmm. uh, are, are they saying, well, I don't know, are they the ones who are first to adopt the cloud or are they going to be the ones who are a little more reluctant? Any comment on that? They would certainly be a little bit more reluctant, but I don't believe it's a, uh, a huge issue. I think, it, you know, with the education that people such as myself and everybody else on this call are doing, I think they'll understand uh, what the benefits are and those concerns can be relatively easily alleviated. Okay, that's what we're looking for. Neil Krefsky, talk to us. Cloud? Yeah, um, actually, I, I think it's an interesting question about the demographic because I don't think the, uh, the um, palette for adoption has to do with the demographic of the CFO, but rather the demographic of an organization's consumer. Uh, yeah, I think the, the companies that have more of a millennial audience or a high-tech audience for their goods and services, they typically um, are more open or more on the cutting edge to adopt their systems in the cloud. In fact, in many cases, it becomes a strategic priority as part of their own promotion of their own brand that, hey, we're in the cloud and it portrays to their audience and, you know, the CFO just needs to get on board. Um, you know, whereas maybe some of the uh, more traditional staple type companies, not, not that they have an avoidance to it, but it, it may not be as much of a strategic priority. You know, the key is in terms of adopting cloud is just because it's in the cloud, it can't uh, limit what a company was able to do before. You know, you can't be rest. You can't take away. Uh, you can standardize, but you can't take away a company's ab- ability to be agile by limiting business process. And then, you know, second to that, then it kind of goes into what a company's strategic direction is. Is it cloud or is it on-premise? And then, you know, third, I think, is certainly how important are some of the core strengths of just a cloud offering in general with things like uh, less maintenance, less hardware, and, and things of that nature. Thank you, Neil. Bill Fusler, talk to us. Well, a couple of things. One is, um, yeah, I agree. I don't think it's the demographics of the CFO himself or herself. It really is, I think, more a demographic of the company, and I think that's what just was touched on. So if you have a, a company that's fairly, uh, fairly new or, uh, or, 
or a company that, that is a, uh, this, uh, 20 years old or younger, I think those type of companies are going to be uh, quicker to adapt to new technologies. So I think that maybe is, is, a, is a better analogy versus the age of the CFO. And the other thing about cloud, too, is interesting. Up until about 18 months ago, uh, in discussion with CFOs, you wouldn't get too much interest in the cloud. It really has accelerated uh, dramatically in the last 18 months. And I think, obviously, that as you touched upon, Bonnie, security, they feel much more comfortable mm-hmm. on security. They see the cost benefit of, of uh, going to the cloud. But the other thing, too, and I, and I just was talking to a uh, CFO of, of, of a major bank, and he, and he said that the other thing that he sees about it, too, is that he's able then to take some resources that would be sitting there trying to, trying, trying to maintain the applications, and he can put those resources, uh, better uses around, again, the analytics and the analysis side. So I think all those things play, playing together really have made a big difference, and, and cloud is really here to stay, and it's, it's uh, something CFOs are embracing. Thank you. Nick, let's go back to you. What do you have to say about what Neil and Bill added to your topic? Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about the demographics of organizations that are willing to implement a cloud solution, what we have seen, uh, at least in the research we've done here at Aberdeen, it's oftentimes more focused on the individual industry. For an example, manufacturers are typically more adverse to cloud solutions uh, than uh, a wholesaler and distributor, for, for an example. So, um, you know, every organization is unique and there's a lot of unique personalities and a lot of unique uh, things that they read uh, in their industry associations or whatever. Um, uh, but the point remains that I think that a cloud solution is uh, really essential for a uh, uh, top performing financial function today. So uh, I think we'll get there. Thank you. Neil Krefsky, I'm looking at your notes, and you've got some interesting analogies here. Uh, one of our panelists already touched on this, might have been you, Neil, about how the CFO is coming up to speed in terms of using latest technology innovations because we're doing it, they're doing it, everyone's doing it in our personal lives. And let me just read one of your examples, and maybe you can run with it. You say, uh, finance professionals should be able to procure and sell materials, products, and services similar to how we're already shopping online in our personal lives. So why don't you take this and build this for me, Neil? Sure. I, you know, and I even think that even plays on a little bit of the, the demographics uh, topic mm-hmm. we were talking about where, you know, maybe 20 years ago, some of, like, the older members of a boardroom may not have been as tech savvy in their personal lives, but I think, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you know, even my own, you know, mother who's close to her 80s, leverages the internet to enhance her own personal life and create efficiencies in terms of how she buys materials online or, or does research about things she may want to uh, consume or uh, when they just recently sold a house and how she was able to proactively post information online herself about her own house to help in the, the market nice. about it. And so when you take a look at a board and, you know, the, the C-suite, the, they all have, they've all been exposed to this in their personal life. And so the question that they ask is, you know, why isn't there, or why is, or how is their finance function leveraging these type of advances to enhance the experience and efficiency within our own company? There, there's no reason for it where, you know, maybe it wasn't as well known what, what's out there. But at least in terms of how people live their personal lives on, on you know, the, in the, uh, 
this age of technology, whether it be whether it be collaborating and instant messaging, whether it be uh, doing your own personal banking and managing your own cash, uh, it, it, it's a very uh, reasonable question to ask why or how are we doing this in our finance department today to better our company. Thank you. Bill Fusler, agree with the perspective of Mr. Krefsky. No, I do. It's so interesting, again, from the CFO study, uh, it ties in exactly what he just said, is that only, only about one-third of finance organizations are using what I would consider advanced analytics tools, so either an ERP system or an analytical tool itself to do their, to do their business insight. So they're still using uh, 66% spreadsheets, and this is even better. Uh, 14% use intuition, so God help us on that one. But uh, So it, it shows there's a lot of room for, for growth here and a lot of room for opportunity for organizations to become much, much better at uh, the, their analytics and, and their business insights. But again, they, they have some work to do to get the right tools and technologies to put them in a position to, to be adding that value. Thank you very much. Nick Casalina, thoughts? Yeah, I think as he stated, part of the, the job of a leader of the finance function is to ensure that your employees are uh, put into the place to succeed and you're going to want to be able to hire and retain uh, top-performing finance employees and they're expecting to be able to utilize these types of tools. You know, it, it becomes a more attractive hiring tool um, just having this technology in place beyond the other benefits that you're going to get as an organization. So um, really, people are used to using certain types of technology in their daily lives, and they prefer to work that way at work as well. Thank you very much. Uh, Neil Krefsky, I have a question for you and for the whole panel. Let's see what time we have. Fifteen minutes. It's, a, it's like having a whole new show all over again. A lot of time in live radio. Question for you in the panel is, what is the composition of the finance organization today? Now, I've asked that interesting question about demographics, and I think we steered it away from the age or maturity of the CFO person to who the audience is, the customer base of the company for which they work. So we established that. So who are the CFOs? Who? What is their background? What does it take for them to go from the old methods? I'm thinking moving the papers around, filling out those damn spreadsheets, uh, siloed organizations. Who are they today? Who are the ones who are going to succeed, other than just the generic comment, Neil, and, and panel? Oh, they know about the cloud. They're using it in their personal life. Get over it and start to trust it in the business. Uh, who are they? Are they recent graduates? Are they, are they all have MBAs? Are there millennials coming up through the, through the ladder into the CFO office aspiring to lead an organization? So, Neil, why don't you start this, and then we'll go around the table. Who are today's CFOs who are or will be the high performers, the accelerators? You know, it really does run the gamut. Um, you know, I, I do see a little bit in terms of type of company where the, the smaller and younger company may uh, try and make a big splash with a, uh, a millennial type of a person with a high MBA and a, and a lot of accomplishments at, at an early age, but that that's Certainly not the majority. Uh, you know, the, it's not like we've seen like an influx of tons of new CFOs. I mean, the CFO requires a tremendous amount of experience and trust, um, recognized through a long career uh, in, in managing and helping manage companies and financial offices. Uh, you know, it certainly runs the gamut. You know. Uh, 
a high majority certainly have CPA and, and MBA backgrounds, um, even sometimes law backgrounds, but none of these are the overall core requirement. I think the number one core requirement is just uh, expertise, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. especially for public companies, there's a certain level of trust uh, that needs to to happen when you're a public company. And, and so, you know, that's probably still first and foremost, however, you know, you know, looking down the road, who are going to be the high performers, regardless of uh, background, uh, age, or any other type of demographic, it's really the openness to accept and leverage innovation. And mm-hmm. I, I see finance has never really been uh, a group that's been against doing that. It's just finances, if, if you give them the tools to enable them to do their job better, they'll accept it. Uh, however, because of security, because of such an importance on compliance and, and a view to the public eye, you know, they're not going to accept less just because something's new. They still need to have that same level of capabilities to do their job. They just have to be able to do it better. Interesting. Neil, perhaps I should have rephrased that or phrased it slightly differently. If a CFO is not high-performing, not strategic, not a, a predictor and a forward-looking strategic partner to the business, who is most likely to replace him or her? That, that might have been a more interesting way of looking at it. And I'll leave that one on the table. Bill Fusler, thoughts on who are the CEO, CFOs who are succeeding today and in the future, near future? So, Brian, it's a great question. I, I, I Thank sit you. on the alumni board of of my university where I graduated as well as I sit on the MBA board of another local university. And this exact question has come up over the last 12 months. And and way this is going is that they're all looking to see what, how do they need to train their, their finance graduates and, and their, and, and the ones who are studying accounting. And the more and more what, they, what they're leaning towards and what they're talking about doing and changing the curriculum is really around uh, much more around uh, what we call data scientists, you know, those who can, uh, courses around analytics, statistics that can uh, give them a, a, the business insight that they're going to need going forward. So not just the debits and cred- uh, credits that they need to, need to know, not just the knowing all the different operating ratios, but it's really is taking, you know, how do you take and, and, and critically analyze information? So it's giving them more courses around uh, uh, data scientist type uh, information as well as statistics. So I think you're going to see a little shift in, in, in what, uh, on what the typical CFO or finance executive is going to look like in, in the next five to ten years. And that's going to come up from, from the ground roots from the college level and up. And I, I think that's, that's happening as we speak. Bill, is that exciting? Is that something that uh, MBA schools, training programs are saying, wow, you could be the CFO of a big company, you could help grow a company, you can be strategic. Somebody is going to say, oh, I've got to better retire now. And there are openings out there, so get with it to the younger generation. Is this exciting? It is, and it's for the students as well, because you, let's, mm-hmm. let's face it, to a lot of students, you know, think about studying accounting is, is you know, they don't get always too excited about it. But when you talk about some of the analytics and some of the things they need, things they, that they can learn and, and provide insight to the organizations, that's what gets them excited. I know, you know, when we hire uh, graduates, this is the type of stuff we talk to them about and they're really excited about is, you know, what about the analytics? I want to get involved in projects that, that look at 
providing business insight and analytics. So, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's what gets the younger generation, uh, you know, the Generation Xs and all those very excited about what, what, uh, what finance can do. Thank you. Nick Castellina, I know you're sitting there saying, when's she going to call on me? When's she going to call on me? Because this is an interesting, I think it's an interesting question. So far, we've done well. Nick, what do you observe? Sure. Well, and certainly as somebody that falls in that age range with that type mm-hmm. of experience as an MBA myself, I don't necessarily agree that it's only going to come from, you know, younger, newer MBAs that are trained on this at the, at the college level. I think a lot of it comes from uh, experience in the work world, working with innovative uh, uh, organizations. You know, if you're a CFO, that maybe your finance department has not changed all that much, but there are other changes within the organization that you can learn from. Uh, that rubs off. I think innovation doesn't start and end in the finance department or doesn't start and end anywhere else within the organization. It's more the experience that you're getting from as you move from organization to organization that will encourage that innovation and, and, and just the knowledge that, hey, you've got to keep up and otherwise you're going to go the way of the dinosaurs. Well, we certainly don't want dinosaurs. Guess what? We've got, let's see, how much time? We've got eight minutes left to the end of the show. I need about 32 seconds to close. You all know that. I want to give you each about a minute and a half. I'm doing the math here. Very higher math. I think I need a CFO. Uh, I'm going to give you each about 90 seconds for your prediction. So if we back out of that, we have just a little more time for one more discussion topic. I'm going to open it up to the panel. Bill, Nick, Neil, anything on your minds, individually or collectively, that we haven't covered in terms of how high performing CFOs are and can in the future add value to the business. Anybody have something on your mind? Because it's open now. Bill, you good? I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here. Bill. Sure. Yeah, I mean, please. One thing when we, we started talking about it, you know, beyond just the, the evolving role of, of the CFO and, and uh, where it's headed, um, the CFO, and to kind of place it on the question you asked, like which of the ones are more likely to be replaced? You know, in the past, when they publicly reported, you know, the CFO's role was good, accurate, and compliant statements that are on time and in line with expectations. Uh, it, now, if there's an underperforming uh, quarter or or any type of r- reporting segment, uh, it's not just the CEO. Uh, It's not just the chief operating officer. The performance is directly tied to the CFO. So the CFO really needs to look beyond taking care of the house to adding value to the business. If the numbers aren't going in the right direction uh, beyond just scorekeeping, they need to change the score. Uh, And how can they do that And looking to things in the future and really being that strategist is definitely an expectation. And to even add to that, in, in some accounts what I see is even CFOs are looking to help the brand and almost be a marketeer in, in some aspects as well. Mm-hmm. Some of the more innovative and cutting-edge companies really put their CFOs on the forefront to, to really help the brand, and then they certainly have teams to still take care of the house. Not your grandma and grandpa CFO job description, that's for sure, Neil. Uh, Bill, quickly, or Nick, any comments you want to add to what Neil just shared with us? Yeah, so if I, you know, if I had to put my crystal ball on, Bonnie, to answer your question. So I think the thing that's, that I see changing over the next, uh, between now and 2020, is that we're seeing <laughs> a new alliance developing between the CFO and the chief marketing officer. And, and the reason why we're seeing that is, you know, companies now look more and more strive to, 
to grow the top line. Uh, obviously, being cost efficient is always going to be out there, but really now what we're seeing is companies looking, to, you know, how do you grow the top line? And so the alliance that's going to develop is you have the chief marketing officer and his or her role of trying to, again, what are the new profit pools? What are the new areas that they can find profit, right? And what's the CFO's role in that? Well, the CFO needs to take that and say, okay, uh, we only have a certain amount of resources, whether they're human capital resources or just uh, financial resources. So we have to pick the ones that are going to be uh, most likely be successful. So they need to do the, some of the predictive, they need to do the modeling to pick those initiatives that are going to get the profitable growth needed. So I think, and we're starting to see that in, in talking to clients, we're starting to see that in projects, we're starting to see that in also in our, in our studies, is that that new, that new alliance is what we're going to see change between now and 2020. And that is, you know, how do you get the top line growth and that new alliance between the CFO and the CMO? Thank you, Bill Fusler. I hadn't even formally introduced the crystal ball prediction segment, and you just did me a big favor by saying yes, and you're looking ahead to 2020. Thank you. That's a really good guest. I appreciate it. Nick Castellina, now that we're already full tilt into it, we've got about three and a half minutes left, and uh, Bill was so kind as to get us going. Nick, I can give you uh, just about 90 seconds for your predictions. Do you like the year 2020, Nick, or can you see something different in the future for how this conversation would change if we had it again? Talk to me. Sure, and, and it's unfortunate that you only given me 90 seconds because I'd really like to build on <laughs> his last point. But you know, I'll, I'll answer your question instead. And I think uh, the things that top performers are already doing today, uh, I think everybody else is going to catch up when it comes to being able to uh, take care of the house and make sure everything's running as planned within the finance department itself. Mm-hmm. But making sure that finance is, uh, you know, really involved in all organizational decision making. And I think a lot of times when you're working with marketing, sometimes that's bringing them back down to earth. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a topic I'd really like to discuss further. But I think it's really, uh, for those that are already doing it, you know, they'll continue to. Uh, I think there's a lot of catching up to do for the organizations that aren't top performing. Nick, I'm going to give you a little clue here. Don't tell anybody I told you this. I'm not supposed to. If you talk nicely to Neil Krefsky, who's on the panel today, and say, Neil, I'd like to come back for part two and expand (laughs) this topic, Neil might be able to talk to the team that sponsors this show and bring you back for part two and continue it. So why don't you say something nice to Neil Krefsky after that we're off, okay? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I didn't tell you and nobody heard me. Mr. Krefsky, I know your ears were burning, my friend. Go ahead. I can give you exactly the same. Same 90 seconds and no more for predictions. Go ahead, Neil. Okay. Well, wow. First of all, Bonnie, I think I'm going to hire you as my personal agent. (laughs) 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 Separate from from that is, you know, there there is an excitement and revolution going on in in, in finance, and I'm not saying that to be fuzzy or or cheesy. I, I am in marketing, and so I go to a lot of online, offline events, uh, you know, I'm on the, the social channels, and what I've seen a shift in a lot of all these different types of business events where the finance topics are around a new regulation, or if we remember Sarbanes-Oxley and, and you know, maybe a new FASB, and, you know, it was very dry, and it was a very small part of a business agenda at a lot of these different types of events to where you can go onto any type of event or social website or, or online media that, that targets the finance audience and you will see a slew of finance transformation journeys, topics, forums, discussions, whatever you, you have. It's, 
it's not about the new FASB. That's kind of been pushed to the back pages, where really now it's about taking the company to the next level, not necessarily being more efficient, not necessarily how do I address this new uh, regulation or not how this new thing is coming down the pipe in terms of what I'm going to have to comply with. It's how do I bring my company to the next level. And I think um, finance really is going to be the lead on what they're doing to adopt innovation going forward for enterprises. Thank you. Very well said. Neil, I expect nothing less. And we'll talk after the show about whether I can be your agent or not. We'll see. We'll see what kind of a deal is looking forward and how strategic you want me to be. Guess what? We've had a really interesting conversation here. The topic was how high-performing CFOs add business value and how they can keep doing it and do it better and more efficiently and more strategically in the future. My panelists today were Bill Fusler at IBM. Thank you, Bill. Excellent present- excellent contributions. Appreciate that. Nick Castellini at Aberdeen. Come back anytime. Same for Bill. And Neil Krefsky, well, you're part of the team, so I know you'll come back. Uh, great job, everyone. Shout out to Chris Grundy and Neil Krefsky, who are part of the team that sponsors Financial Excellence with Game Changers. And let's see. I'll be back tomorrow with two shows live. We have Digital World with Game Changers, Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Eastern. And in the afternoon, I'll be back with, let's see who's on tomorrow. It's uh, Business Innovation with Game Changers, Tuesdays at noon. We do five hours of radio a week, and 11 series are currently in production. Woo! Am I tired already? I'm Bonnie D. Gray. I'm looking forward to talking to you tomorrow on another episode live of SAP Game Changers Radio. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.